This is just a reminder that this episode contains content that may be alarming or triggering to some listeners. Please check the show notes for more detailed descriptions and make sure that you just take care of yourself. Welcome back, all my survivors and advocates. I hope that everyone had a really wonderful month, and I hope that this next month is really good as well. Today's episode, I believe, is our sixth episode, and we will be talking about human trafficking, sex trafficking in specific. I'll talk a little bit about my own story. We'll talk about the misconceptions and the myths around human trafficking and sex trafficking. We'll talk about the difference between human trafficking and human smuggling. We will talk about how to prevent it. um, What are the signs, if there are any. Um, Yeah, I believe that that's all the episode is going to involve. So let's just get right into it. To start off the episode, I'm going to give two different definitions of human trafficking. They are similar in certain ways and different in certain ways, but I feel like I need to give both of them to kind of have everything make sense. But on the Department of Homeland Security um, page, it says human trafficking involves the use of force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Every year, millions of men, women, and children are trafficked worldwide, including in the United States. It can happen in any community, and victims can be any age, race, gender, or nationality, and traffickers might use the following methods to lure victims into trafficking situations. Those would be the following, violence, manipulation, false promises of well-paying jobs, and romantic relationships. The other definition of human trafficking, which is similar, that I would like to give is human trafficking is when a person is manipulated, controlled, or forced to do things against their will. People affected by human trafficking are being exploited, which is used in some way, sexually or physically, to benefit someone else. Human trafficking means that people are being transported, bought, and sold, as opposed to Um, something like drugs so in drug trafficking it's the drugs being sold and in this in human trafficking it's the human being sold or used there are different types of human trafficking which um, include sexual exploitation sex trafficking forced labor slavery forced organ removal and forced marriage all of those things would fall under human trafficking i think it's also really important to note that In the United States, I'm not sure about other countries, but within the United States, you are not legally allowed to have any minor participate in a commercial sex act. If a minor participates in a commercial sex act, that is automatically human trafficking. There are a lot of things that fall under commercial sex acts, but the number one thing would be producing child sexual abuse material, which has been known by the greater public as child pornography. But we should change our terminology to child sexual abuse material because porn is to consenting adults. It's never involving children. So child sexual abuse material is a better um, acronym for that. It's a better way of explaining it. But yeah, so any commercial act of commercial sex act by a child, that's human trafficking. 
I am a survivor of a commercial sex act. Um, having to do that as a minor, I survived human trafficking. Um, I was trafficked by my own mother. This does happen, and there are a lot of myths and misconceptions around what trafficking is. So I think a good place to start would be going over like the difference of what smuggling is versus what trafficking is. So human trafficking is often confused with human smuggling, but human smuggling is when you illegally cross a border um, with somebody who is wanting that. They want the they want to enter into the country or enter in new state. They want to um, they are consenting to that act. And then once they are across the border, the smuggling ends. You know, there might be a transaction of money for like them helping them across the border or whatever, but the smuggling ends. Whereas in human trafficking, it does not end. Um, you do not have to ever go across the border also. That's a good place to start. You don't, it can be within the same state. It can be within the same country. And it could also involve um, crossing the border. Um, you could literally be trafficked to your next door neighbor um, within the same neighborhood. So it, do, it does not involve trafficking like you need to drive your car or drive a plane or have somebody transported somewhere. Trafficking really means uh, trafficking of funds. Um, somebody is gaining something by the exploitation of that human doing a sex act or working um, in labor, like a, working at a factory for free, those types of things. So smuggling is basically consensual. Somebody is consenting to have somebody else help them get across the border. Whereas human trafficking is when somebody is being used for sexual acts or um, labor for the purpose of somebody else gaining something. It doesn't always have to be money. It can be other things as well. Um, so let's go over some other myths and misconceptions that are around human trafficking. But um, human trafficking can happen to anyone and... Um, some people are more vulnerable than others. Like if you are um, recently, you relocated, you have substance abuse issues, mental health issues, involvement with the child welfare care, wel welfare system, sorry, being a runaway or homeless youth. Um, and oftentimes traffickers will identify the vulnerabilities of you and then they will create dependency off of those things. So that's just some good knowledge to have. And then one myth is that human trafficking is always or usually a violent crime, but that's not always true. Sometimes um, we get this idea that trafficking, you have to be like kidnapped or physically forcing someone into the situation when in reality, a lot of traffickers use just psychological means such as tricking or defrauding you, manipulating you, or threatening victims into providing um, commercial sex or labor. So you could be like threatened your even livelihood. Like maybe your parents are the ones who are um, trafficking you. And if you don't do the act, they might say like, well, you won't have a place to live. You won't have 
the basic necessities to survive. In my case, I was kind of tricked into being trafficked by my mother. She made it seem like it was okay and that um, it was a normal thing that people were doing and that if I wanted school clothes and money for the things that I wanted that she could not provide for me because we were a low-income family, that I could do these acts that weren't all that bad is how she kind of made it seem, um, then I, I could. Um, she made it seem like I had a choice in the matter when in all reality I didn't because I should have never, as a 14-year-old child, had that option ever been even presented to me. Um, I'll go a little bit more into my story for the people who are just now hearing about it, but I do have a whole entire playlist on my TikTok account that does go into the depths of me being trafficked as a minor. <clears throat> but the, another myth is that all human trafficking involves sex, which is not true. We've talked a little bit about how it, there's labor and then also um, we talked about organ, um, forced organ um, exploitation and things like that. They will remove people's organs um, against their will and things like that for money. Um, they can use force, fraud, coercion to get another person to provide labor as well as sex. So experts believe that there are more situations of labor trafficking than there are sex trafficking, but there's a much wider awareness of sex trafficking in the U.S. than there is labor trafficking. So a lot of people are definitely being forced, um, coerced, lied to, um, and just, you know, a lot of horrible things are happening to these people where they're put in situations where they're having to work for somebody for free, um, work in horrible, you know, environments, no pay um, or significantly low pay um, and horrible hours. They might not ever get breaks. They might not ever even be able to leave. They might be working multiple days at a time. And if they don't perform at the rate that their trafficker needs them to or wants them to, they will be punished in some way, whether that be physically or just um, making life like a living hell for them. But there is also a myth that traffickers target victims that they don't know, which isn't always the case. Sometimes survivors of trafficking can be romantic partners like your spouse, family members, including your parents. In my case, it was my own mother who trafficked me to a man that she had known for a very long time. Um, and then another myth is only undocumented foreign, um, foreign people can get trafficked in the United States which is not true. Um, thousands of cases of trafficking involve foreign national survivors who are legally living and are working in the United States. So you do not have to be um, an illegal, undocumented citizen in order to be trafficked within the United States. Many um, citizens get trafficked, um, myself being one of them. I was raised, born and raised in the United States my entire life. And I was trafficked within the same state that I grew up in. The same town, honestly. Um, and then another myth, which just, this is a myth in general around just rape and sex crimes. Only women and girls can be victims or survivors of sex trafficking. So this myth we hear time and time again, that's not true. I By now, if you've been listening to my podcast, we, we should know that. That boys and men are also victimized by sex traffickers and LGBTQ boys and young men are seen as particularly vulnerable to trafficking. So definitely not a woman and girl thing. It's 
all genders, all walks of life. Um, another myth is that human traffickers or human trafficking only happens in illegal or underground industries. That's not true. Human trafficking cases have been reported and prosecuted in industries including restaurants, cleaning services, construction factories, and more. One place where human trafficking has occurred a lot, um, not so much anymore, but definitely in the past, is hotels. It's it's still happening for sure, but um, back in the day when hotels accepted cash, they would get human trafficking a lot more. Um, they do not accept cash at hotels anymore, and they um, you have to have a card that matches the name of your ID, which is actually one way that we can prevent um, and stop trafficking from happening because hotels are often places where they will um, stop and use those facilities for the commercial sex acts that they're making their victims perform. So um, another myth is that if a person who is trafficked consented to be in an initial situation, then it cannot be human trafficking because they knew better initially, which isn't true. Um, that's the same as, you know, consent during sex. If you say that you want to have sex at the beginning and at some point you say you don't want to have sex anymore, the person doesn't get to continue that, you know, you need to stop because you have withdrawn your consent. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's not relevant. It, it's not. Initial consent is not relevant if you withdraw it. Um, and then another one is people being trafficked are physically unable to leave their situations. They are locked away or held against their way, uh, held against their will, sorry. Um, like held prisoner, which that's not always true. Sometimes it is. Um, and sometimes you'll psychologically feel trapped, even if you aren't physically tied up or something like that. Um, it's very complicated. That's the best way to put it. Trafficking situations are very complicated. In my personal situation, I was not, I mean, I couldn't leave because I was a child and, um, it was my mom who was doing this. But when I would be trafficked, I would be driven from my home to the man's house and then back to my house. Um, I still went to school. I went to public school. I lived a normal life. I played outside with my friends. Not a normal life, but there were parts of my life that were normal um, outside of this and the other sexual abuse I endured throughout my life. So the reality is, is that <laughs> that's not true. Sometimes people will lack basic necessities to physically get out, such as transportation or a safe place to live. And some people are just afraid for their safety. Some have been so effectively manipulated or they are actually like um, used, um, they're being forced to use drugs or just being injected with drugs against their will and things like that or coerced into using drugs um, to the point where they cannot, con like they don't have control over their own you know, autonomy. They don't have any will um, or say, you know. They literally can't even fight. They they can't. They're so numb and out of it that there's no, um, there's no way that they possibly could. So that is something that traffickers, you know, will attempt to do. They will attempt to control their victim so much that they will not even be able to know how to escape, if, even if they wanted to. 
And then there's another myth that labor trafficking is only a problem in developing countries, which is not true. Labor trafficking occurs within the United States and other developed countries. It's just reported at lower rates than sex trafficking. Um, and just because something isn't reported doesn't mean that it's not happening. It just means that it's not being reported. It might be hidden well um, and that the survivors are not coming forward or the victims of it are not able to come forward and report. Um, and then another myth is that people in active trafficking situations always want help um, and that they always want to get out. Sometimes the situation is pretty unique and the trafficking victim or survivor happens to feel um, like they have some sort of obligation. Um, it, can do, it can be due to a lot of things, fear, isolation, guilt, shame, um, misplaced loyalty, um, Stockholm syndrome, trauma bonds, which is a lot of it. Um, they will use expert manipulation, among other things, to keep the person from seeking help or even identifying themselves as a victim. So they might not even know that they're actively being trafficked. In my case, I didn't know that what I went through was trafficking until I was an adult. I found out about last year, the year before, that what my mother did to me was forcing a minor to do a commercial sex act, which within the United States is um, human trafficking. So I found out on my own when I was an adult. I never even thought of myself as a trafficking survivor as a child. Um, I only found that out when I grew up. I feel like a lot of people feel like, in a sense, what they're going through is weird. It's not normal, but they're not going to identify it as trafficking. They might even identify it as abuse or um, torture before they see it actually as human trafficking. Um, I know for a fact I've seen it as um, just abuse or something really weird that my mom was doing to me when um, I was going through that. I did not see it as trafficking. There are some things that we can look for, like indicators, if somebody is being human trafficked. It's not always going to be the case. If you see somebody who's going through these things, they're not always going to be a victim of human trafficking, but it's always good that if you have some sort of inclination that you might ask questions or at least keep an eye out on that person, uh, make sure that they're safe um, until, you know, maybe even report it if it comes to that. But let's go over a few of the indicators. But um, just keep in mind that not everybody who is living in these situations or has this, these types of situations are going to automatically be human trafficking survivors or victims. So it could be somebody who's living with their employer, um, has poor living conditions, multiple people in a cramped space, inability to speak to an individual alone, answers or appear, um, the answers that they give appear to be like scripted or rehearsed, um, that the employer holds their identifying documents or just somebody holds onto their documents. Like they don't have access to their IDs, their social security cards, passwords. They don't have access to that. Their employer has that. Um, that they show signs of physical abuse, that they're very submissive or fearful. 
that they have been unpaid or that they are paid very little. And the way that you like usually would know these types of things are the person, you know, like being somewhat close to you and, you know, talking to you about them or you um, seeing it for yourself with your eyes. And then under um, 18, but seems to be participating in prostitution. And then there are some questions that you can ask, but make sure that you never, ever ask a potential um, victim if you think that it could jeopardize their safety. Their safety should be your number one concern. So do not at all ask any questions if you feel that it could jeopardize the safety of a person. Um, but if you believe that somebody, there's red flags, you can um, ask, can you leave your job if you want to? Can you come and go as you please? Um, have you been hurt or threatened if you tried to leave? Um, has your family been threatened? Do you live with your employer? Where do you sleep and where do you eat? Are you in debt to your employer? And do you have your passport and identification? And if they say no, then you could ask them who holds on to that. And then if you believe that somebody you know has been trafficked or they're still in a trafficking situation, you can alert law enforcement immediately at the numbers that I am going to provide you, which would be 911 if it is an urgent situation and somebody is like immediately getting hurt, you would of course call 911. And then there is also a national human trafficking hotline, which is 1-888-373-7888. And I will of course put that in the show notes, but it is a national 24-hour toll-free multilingual anti-trafficking hotline. You can recall, uh, you can call it and you can report a tip and they will connect you with anti-trafficking services in your area um, and things like that. There's lots of resources there. So um, make sure that you use those. Some other good ways that we can try and fight against human trafficking is just, um, first of like what we were kind of going over before is learning the indicators of human trafficking, which I was kind of teaching everyone a little bit of them. And then if you're in the United States, make sure that you call the hotline I provided you if you believe somebody is being trafficked. And then make sure that you are, you know, an informed consumer. Find out more about who has picked your tomatoes, who makes your clothes, um, you know, where is your money going? Who are you giving your money to? Who are the people that are getting those resources to you and are they getting to you legally are the people who are picking those tomatoes getting paid a fair wage um are they getting you know benefits are they able to take their lunches are they working in proper conditions you really want to ask yourself that and also ask yourself are adults are legal adults ask uh, making and providing the things that i'm buying as a consumer or is it children who are being forced into a labor um, trafficking situation? Because there's also children who are being forced to work um, in horrible conditions or just even decent conditions. But being forced to work as a child is not okay. Um, you can volunteer and support anti-trafficking efforts in your community. Um, depending on what community you live in, there's going to be more or less resources Unfortunately, my community lacks 
anything about any advocacy. We just seem to don't, we don't care about anything over here. It's a pretty conservative town. So that, you know, kind of makes sense. And then you can meet with and write your local state and federal elected officials and let them know that um, you care about combating human trafficking and ask them what they're doing to address it. And that's probably pretty important in towns like mine where it seems like nobody cares. We need more people writing those people and asking them, like, what are you really doing about human trafficking? Because it's happening in our towns too, like whether you guys want to admit it or not. And then just be well informed. Um, make sure that you stay up on the current human trafficking news and you just just educate yourself. Educate other people around you. Stay up to date on the different forms of human trafficking around the world. Uh, make sure that you're not falling into misinformation or misconceptions. Learn the myths. Teach other people that they might be wrong around some of their ideas and their beliefs around what trafficking what trafficking is or what it looks like. Um, yeah, so those are some good things. You can also host awareness events. Um, you can go on TikTok, bring awareness to it, make videos, read about it. Um, yeah, just spread a lot of awareness about it. Um, organize fundraisers and donate the proceeds to anti-trafficking organizations. You could encourage local schools to include human trafficking in their um, developmental protocols so that they can teach kids the signs and how to prevent themselves from becoming um, victims of that or how to get help um, and how to teach kids if they um, suspect that somebody they know or a friend that they can also know how to get help as a child. Um, you can think about whether your workplace is trauma-informed and reach out to management or HR to make sure that they are a trauma-informed business, um, meaning that they are doing what they can to prevent human trafficking and that they um, understand that Human trafficking victims go through high levels of trauma, which can impact their ability to function at work and things like that. So we need to be really mindful and learn more about these people because they are a part of our society. Uh, I myself am a part of society. I do have a job and it is better when a place is trauma informed. And then you can learn how traffickers target and recruit youth. And I'm not going to go into all of these things. I mean, we could sit here for hours and deep dive into everything about human trafficking. And I'm sure in later episodes, I maybe will go deeper in. But for today's episode, I'm kind of just going to stick to the basics. And then I'll provide resources and references, sources for everyone to go and do their own research and learn more if they're interested after listening to this episode. Um... So yeah, I believe that those are some of the best um, ways that we can help fight human trafficking, as well as like making sure that the people that are around a lot of people, so like cops, doctors, teachers, that the people who are in our public a lot, within the public, seeing the public, being around them, that those are the people who they really, really need to know the signs and what to do if they see somebody who potentially might be a victim because they could help significantly. 
<clears throat> and then I will go into a little bit about what my personal experience is with um, human trafficking. So when I was around the age of 14, I was all already a survivor of child sexual abuse. I had been sexually abused from around the age of 5 to 13. And quickly after the abuse ended with my stepfather and my mother, my um, mom introduced me to a man named Paul Smith and he's from Portland, Oregon. And he, he has the same name as my stepfather. They're both named Paul, but they're not the same person. So this man, um, they have a different last name, of course. So this Paul is not my stepfather, but he was introduced to me when I was 14. And my mom said that I had, she had this opportunity for me where I could have somebody take pictures of me. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. And they would pay me really good money and I could get all the things that I wanted, like school clothes and things like that. Makeup, just any, you know, th normal things that a 14 year old teenager would want. Um, so she introduces me to him and we end up starting going on like shopping sprees, lunch dates, and this is all happening while my mother is with us. The man, my mother, and me are all together doing these things. Um, and this is happening quite often. Um, yeah, we're going to the mall, shopping sprees, lunch, things like that. And looking back on it as an adult now, it's grooming. Um, they were grooming me. I don't know if my mom was purposely grooming me. I mean, she had to have known the signs as an adult. But um, Paul Smith was 100% um, grooming me. They were making me feel, you know, gain trust, get closer to them, feel comfortable around Paul Smith. So as time goes on, we end up going to his condo at some point. And that's where they um, tell me that I can take some pictures. And for the very first time, they didn't make me put on any lingerie or anything like that. It was just my clothes. I had on short shorts and a low cut T-top that was blue. And um, I remember them telling me to like push my breasts together and pose in certain positions. And then they proceeded to take pictures of me. Uh, this went on numerous times. There were times where my mom was there and times where she wasn't. And it was horrible. Um, there were times where I was put in no clothing. I mean, barely anything. The skimpiest of skimpy. Um, as a child who barely had a developing body. And they took videos and pictures of me, um, from my understanding, I wasn't behind the camera, so I can't 100% say that videos were taken, but I know 100% photos were. And I don't know what happened to those photos. It It's horrible. Um, they were used for something, you know, of course, whether it be his self-gratification or them being used, whatever. My mom was, or sold, my mom was paid for those acts, um, bringing me there and... Um, having me do that she was paid and she left me there with that man multiple times by myself he provided you know marijuana and alcohol I never consumed alcohol there but I did consume marijuana I remember getting honestly I 
I've been smoking marijuana since I was 13 and I had never felt like this kind of high. Like it was really bad. I remember feeling really uneasy and wanting to go home at one point and just feeling like this could end really, really badly. Like I need to get out of here. Um, it went on for at least a year, could have been a year and a half, but I know that it started when I was about 14 and ended into me being 15. So it couldn't have happened any longer than two years, but it was extremely traumatizing. And the older I got um, and the more I processed what I had gone through, the more traumatizing it really became because I had these photos of my minor body um, that I have no idea where they are. I have no idea where they will be um, for forever. Um, well, you know, you're, you're told, we've been told, especially in this generation, that whatever you put on the internet is on the internet forever. And that's what I think of when I think of people, my own mother and a man that she knew creating child sexual abuse material of me as a 14-year-old minor. Um, it's just, it's really sickening. It makes my stomach hurt. Um, I don't forgive my mother for it. I want to press charges and I plan on pressing charges. I don't understand why somebody would do that to their own child. Um, and I truly believe that she thought it was okay because I had already gone through the sexual abuse that her husband did. So what's a little more? Um, it makes me so angry even just talking about it. I shake. Um, I went through a lot of child sexual abuse at the hands of my stepfather. Um, nine years of it to be exact. And nothing makes me more mad than the year, year and a half of my mother doing this to me, um, trafficking me time and time again. And it wouldn't have stopped if I wouldn't have stopped it. I truly believe that if I wouldn't have put my foot down and said, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to do this and cried. Um, it would have kept going. I don't think she ever would have seen an issue with it. I don't think she ever would have said, I shouldn't be doing this to my daughter. I shouldn't be allowing this to happen. She thought it was okay or she didn't care that it wasn't okay. Um, and either one, they're horrible. So I just, I don't understand why people do this to their own children. Um, I mean, I do understand why. It's just because they're horrible people. Um, and there's really no point in us asking why. Just people do disgusting things. And when you're a person with morals and a person who wouldn't do something like that, it's just pointless to even ask yourself why because you really aren't ever going to understand it. You're never going to be able to grasp how somebody could be so vile and so disgusting. You just you just can't as somebody with morals. Um, yeah, so it ended, the human trafficking, the sex trafficking ended for me when I went to dinner with Paul Smith by myself. My mother left me alone with him. And he parked in the back of a Walmart parking lot. And it was very scary. I remember my heart was just racing the entire time. And he got out of the driver's seat, walked around to the passenger door, and opened the door, my door. 
and tried to kiss me, um, I automatically, out of reaction, backed away in fear. Um, he got scared. Um, I think he even jumped himself. Was like, "Oh, I, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to. Uh, oh, I, I, you know, I don't know what I was thinking. I'm so sorry." And then he got back into um, his. He went back around the car, got back into the driver's seat, and then he proceeded to hand me, I believe, four hundred dollars. Um, and initially, I had already had two hundred dollars from just hanging out with him. I would get rewarded for going out to dinner with him and things like that um and on this night we never went back to his condo or anything there were no pictures taken it was just the company of me I was getting paid for and after he attempted to assault me that is when he handed me another $200 making it 400 and said um I hope that this you know makes it okay um just don't tell anyone about this and it'll all be okay I'm really sorry um, cause he, you know, he visibly knew, you know, he knew that he made me extremely uncomfortable. And I honestly can't a hundred percent say that he didn't know that I had already been a victim of sexual abuse by my stepfather and my mom. I mean, my mom brought me there, so I don't even know what was going through his head. Um, anyone with, with sense would know that I was clearly a victim of something else if my mom thought that this, this stuff was okay. But yeah, I remember going home and crying. Um, my mom was asking me what was wrong. I wouldn't tell her. I didn't tell her for years. I still honestly don't know if she knows. I don't care. But um, I can't remember if I told her or not. But I just remember going into the shower, um, doing the thing a lot of survivors do. The thing I did for years went with the, the sexual abuse prior. Um, I just bawled in the shower and just tried to clean myself off. And nothing made myself feel clean. I just felt so dirty and... It was really traumatizing and I've had a lot of people in my comments um, because those videos on TikTok did go viral. And unfortunately, one of them ended up, one of the seven videos um, ended up on the wrong side of TikTok. And I had a lot of people shaming me for, well, like, are you kidding me? Like, it was just pictures and, um, you know, uh, him trying to kiss you. He didn't even actually kiss you. Come on. And I think people really need to understand that I was sexually abused for nine years of my life. Um, molestation, rape, um, animal sexual abuse. I mean, very horrible things. And I, you know, got away from it. And at 13, it stopped. I never was sexually abused by my stepdad again after 2013. And, you know, this was the first time that another man since then was taking advantage of me again and trying to force himself on me and he was significantly older than me he was 47 and I was 14 um you know in my eyes at 14 he was a very old man and it was scary it was really traumatizing I didn't know how far it was going to go I didn't know if he was going to actually stop um it wasn't just a kiss it was a 47 year old man attempting to sexually assault a, a minor a child. Um, I was put in situations that I never should have been put in by my own parents, my own mother. Uh, it's just really disappointing. And I really wish that human trafficking all around, labor and sex trafficking, could end, especially for children. It's horrible. Um, and it's commonly happening by our own family and people we know, people we trust. And it's just wrong. Um, you have less likely chance of survivor when you're of surviving when you're a child. 
you have less opportunities to ask for help or get help. You're, you're a child. You're dependent on everyone around you. And for adults to do this to children is just beyond me. I will never understand it. Like I said, I, I can't. Um, most people won't be able to. I want to end this episode off by saying that if you're experiencing any type of human trafficking, just know that it's not your fault. Being a victim of human trafficking is often super traumatic and that there is help and there is hope available. There are lots of different feelings that you're going to be experiencing, um, but just know that what you're experiencing is a crime against you and you're not to blame for your exploiter's actions. Um, there are many things that you can do to get support and there are some ways to ask for help and keep yourself safe. You can tell a safe adult. Um, you can contact emergency services. You can talk about it with somebody that you trust. And remember that leaving a violent and abusive situation can be very difficult. It may take you time and it may take you more than one try to get the support that you need but it is there. Do not give up trying to reach out for help. You deserve it. You are worthy of it. There's a beautiful life outside of exploitation, outside of trafficking. Nobody deserves that. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done in your life, nothing, um, nothing warrants somebody doing that to another person. Thank you so much for listening to the sixth episode of Jada's Advocacy. I really hope that everybody learned a lot of good things about the difference between human trafficking and smuggling. I hope that we learned a lot about the myths and misconceptions and ways that we can identify um, human trafficking and things like that. Um, overall, I think that this is a really good episode and we can all learn a lot from it. I'm going to have tons and tons of resources and um, references and sources in my show notes. Please take advantage of them. They all should be linked. You can easily click on them and access all of the information where I get my um, where I get my references for all of my episodes and things like that. Please, please use those resources. I link them for a reason so that people can continue to learn. Don't just take my word for everything. Please learn more. I think that maybe the next uh, next episode I can go more into like statistics and how this is truly affecting people, the, the gravity of trafficking, but I'm not entirely sure. I might go on a completely different thing next month. Um, yeah, depending on my schedule, I might do two episodes in January, but I know for a fact that this is going to be my only episode in December. So I hope that everybody really enjoys the rest of their month. And thank you again for listening to my sixth episode. I cannot wait to have you back for the seventh.